M to F is for film. Our guests today are Caitlin Sponheimer and Robert Montcalm, and the project is called I Want to Be Like You. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hello, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. I'm happy to have you both here. And can you synopsize, you know, very quickly before we get into your background, synopsize for us the, uh, the project that we're going to be discussing without any spoilers? Sure, yeah. <laughs> the film is about uh, two women who both choose to go into this facility and decide who they want to look like. Yes, that is a good. That is a good non-spoiler <laughs> description. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot. We've got a lot of interesting themes to explore, though. So let's uh, let's start with you guys individually. How did you begin your careers as filmmakers, and how did you come together? Let's start with Caitlin. Yeah. So I actually started out as an actor and studied in New York, and I started noticing when I, I graduated and was auditioning that there wasn't as as many roles that I was interested in playing. And if there was, I wasn't being seen for them. So I started writing and fast forward 10 years and, or I guess a few years ago, I met Rob in Montreal and Rob will tell you about himself, but he's a writer as well. And we kind of jived on that sense and was lucky enough to be able to collaborate with him on this project. Hopefully more. (laughs) I hope so too. Rob? Uh, yeah, I also started out as an actor. I left Ottawa to come to Montreal to go to theater school for four years. And then I kind of specialized more in combat from theater school. I did, mm-hmm. I'm certified as an instructor and in, with Fight Directors Canada and did Chinese opera for a while. And I really liked physical things and that led to stunt work and stunt work led to money and with money to produce content then uh, that became a, a later thought in in my career to start producing content that I wanted to see and to support friends and artists that I, uh, that I believed could bring a new voice and a, a new style to the industry. And so Caitlin's the first project that has was completed. And then I have a couple others that are on the go. That's fantastic. And I, I love the fact that I think we're entering an era right now where creatives are realizing that the best way to get done what you wanted to get done is to do it yourself and producing, which I think people have often kicked to the side is actually, being understood for the first time is actually a very creative thing to do. Definitely. It's nice to, I mean, it's hard coming from a theater background. I I was producing content of plays for a while and, you know, you'd be lucky if you had 150 people show up through a (laughs) 10 show run. And if you can get a short film out there that costs the same amount of money, but you actually are reaching a wider audience and you can tell a story then that has permanence and has a message that is felt, then I, I, I kind of shifted my focus to that. And during the pandemic, especially, it's a little easier to get people to watch yeah. a short film than to sit in a theater. So it's a good time. It's been helpful. So speaking of inspiration, let's talk about the inspiration for the short. What, what, what brought this about, Caitlin? I think it's quite uh, obvious to all of us how pervasive the beauty industry is on young women's minds. That's something that I have felt, and especially I think in the film industry and the TV world, it's very much a curated image we often see. And especially in like ads for beauty products and all this, it's very catered to like this very specific look and feel. And and it's it's also they make money off of making people not feel good enough. And so it's, you know, the worse you can make someone feel about themselves, the more product they can sell, the more weight loss pills, the more hair dye, whatever you name it. And so I did start to notice even just with friends, like everyone would would compliment someone else, but then they kind of put themselves down. And so that's kind of where the idea of of 
everybody wants to just be someone else came from. And then that kind of snowballed from there. And I like the fact that you chose two women of different ethnicities to be, you know, sort of envious of one another. I thought that was a very interesting choice. Was that conscious in the writing or was that something you did, decided to do in casting? Yeah, um, no, it was very conscious in the writing. I specifically wanted people of different backgrounds. I feel it's very often, or at least this is from my perspective, that, you know, the and I've heard this from friends of mine, that because of the images in media, it's very white and very, you know, straight hair and all these things. And, and so that puts pressure on African-American women as well to try to fit into this box that they shouldn't have to fit into. Whereas I have always seen African-American women as really beautiful and I, I want their curly hair. And, and so we see things in each other that we find beautiful from an appearance only standpoint. And so I wanted to reflect that, that we can see beauty in each other despite different cultures and diversities. And, and I don't think we see that often on screen. No, we don't. We don't often see it. And I thought it was very, you know, you did a very, you made a very subtle choice by doing that. And also your black protagonist had clippings of a white supermodel on her wall. Yes. Which was very interesting. And I thought, wow. Yeah. And that, and, and so many that it was really like almost a little bit oppressive. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought it was a very interesting visual statement. Yeah. And that, that was kind of, I mean, just just as I had had mentioned, it was it's kind of and I spoke to Lorna Kidju about that and she hasn't felt it as much from she grew up in Belgium and then now lives in Montreal and she hasn't felt the pressure as much. But she says she's seen that pressure to look a certain way in other women she knows. And so we kind of wanted to show like this just it's just this it's really inundating like it's everywhere it's in magazine it's especially social media you guys see it everywhere too it's in stores like yada yada tv absolutely you know you know and i thought that it was interesting and it was an interesting choice to have these neither one of these neither one of these characters speak but they're conveying so much yeah <laughs> <laughs> again a question about that choice what made, what made you decide to go down that path yeah i think hmm I don't think it was a conscious choice to not have them speak. I think I think it just was more powerful to show it with images and especially cuz it it was so short and and it kind of at first I thought would be more of an experimental film in the sense of of kind of experimenting with these two characters and and it did turn out to be quite narrative in the end. But yeah, I don't think I ever said like I'm I'm not going to have them speak. There was just Never much of, of a moment, really. What I find interesting about that is these women are very image obsessed. And then to take away their voice and just focus on the images themselves within the film, I found that a very powerful quality in the short. My wife is a professional animator, and we constantly watch shows where she says that shouldn't have had dialogue. That should have been told through a look. That should have been told through a moment. You don't need always to talk to get your point across so just having something that can convey it through an image or through a set of images i mean that's where a lot of the quality of film work comes from as well are those tableaus those sequences and i find even the opening of this short is very powerful with Brittany dridgedale where she's just looking straight on at the camera and you see her heart breaking for just a moment and that to me is more powerful than having a character talk about how they're feeling. It's like to really live that experience in a reflection of themselves while they're looking in the mirror at themselves. There's a lot of that, of just that balance of images of people, how they see themselves, how we are projecting on them as we watch the film that I find to be the most powerful quality. 
Yeah, absolutely. You've got you've really got a total sense of their inner lives without a bit of dialogue, and I, yeah. I love that. I thought what was interesting too was that after plastic surgery, they essentially looked the same, and they switched roles, they switched venues, but they're you know, and then the obsession begins again. It it, it mm-hmm. was just tragic in that respect. Yeah, it's. I mean, that was that's definitely intentional in that you know it's it's cyclical is the point is that that it's when you strive for perfection or or these impossible goals and you get it and you think that's where my happiness is if i have that i'll be so happy and then you get it and you're happy for a second and then it starts to fade away and you want the next thing and so i think it's just that cyclical on a greater scale seeking for happiness it's very I mean, it's very human, a very human feeling. I, I mean, I see it a lot in the stunt community, especially. I see it a lot in the acting community that I work with, but stunt people are very obsessed with body image. I, mm. I know people who've worked on like the, 300, the film 300 and who worked on <sighs> Immortals and these people who had to train for months and months and on end and put themselves through extreme rigor. You can't sustain that. And a lot of people will see a film like that and go, oh, I want to look like that. But you can't actually <laughs> stay like that. And so then these people have body dysmorphia and they have, they have very strange views of themselves. If they put on a little bit of weight, they feel guilty. They talk the most about what they can eat and the new diet and the training and the cycles they have to go through. And you watch these waves of a kind of cyclical depression in the year of when they're not working, they put on weight. And then if they get a job, they're like, oh, I have to lose it so quickly. And it's it's men and women in stunts that that go through this and just that that constant gnawing of you can't get away from it you might feel good about your body for a week or so when you're at your peak but you that's an unrealistic goal to ever stay in that and then you look back at images of yourself of what your ideal was and again you can't ever hold on to that it's fleeting the body is fleeting it's not permanent how you look or feel one day is not going to last those are great observations now, back to the film, how did you guys come across your cast? The, your, both of your cast uh, members are, are fa- your leads are fantastic. <laughs> Rob, do you? <laughs> well, it's, Brittany, you've known longer than... Yeah, they're, they're um, well, Lorna, like, bless her. She was recommended by someone and came out and, and shot with us. No audition or anything, just, you know, word of mouth, which is which is nice. And But she, yeah, she came out to the middle of nowhere and shot with us. But Brittany... <laughs> I met with her. I met her in New York studying years ago. So she's she's my best friend and anything I do, I make with her as well. So she was, you know, right in there. She's also an associate producer on the film and helped get it made as well. And yeah, so and then same with Kelly, who plays, I won't ruin it, but the, the woman at the end. Yes. <laughs> and Keely, <laughs> also friends from our, our acting community here in Montreal. I love that. So part of your creative family. That's fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. speaking of the production, what were some of the challenges of doing this film? There's always something. I mean, I, I got cast. Was it just a dream? A kind of <laughs> la- well, what was nice in a way is I, I got tossed. I was just financing it, and then I got tossed into the role of, of the surgeon. <laughs> that, kind of as a, a, a last-minute thing. And I was like, yeah, sure. I don't mind. I'll, Why not? I'll, I'll fill in for that. Sure. But that that was one of the only issues of somebody dropping out at the like later in the game or somebody that – Kate had thought that she could get in that uh, wasn't available. Worked out really well. But I mean, you were the look. The location scouting, I guess, was sort of hard to find facility like that looked 
proper for the aesthetic, but also having the supplies that we needed. And Caitlin seems to just go out there and get things. And it's uh, very impressive, I, I must say. A born producer. Yeah, I, I, I found that. I mean, that worked out so well because it was yeah. this. I emailed like every doctor in town with like, and also I was being very like sketchy about what it was about. I was like, didn't want to be like, I'm... <laughs> So I was being very criticizing very, your um, industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, hey, can I shoot in your? Yeah. So, but this one guy was. I sent him everything. I was really open, and he was just totally fine with it. I went and looked at it, and the thing that was so cool was he had all these like weird mirrors in like the middle. So we ended up using that, which gave us some really cool shots that were not planned at the beginning. So that was a gift. I'd say another challenge though too, when I think about it, was. It seems simple, but we were matching the the frames of both the women and then and matching the exact shots and matching the timing of the exact shots because it was all split screen. And then also switching out their clothes because because they they switch exact bodies. Right. And so they're so it, it is it's simple, but but even making sure. So we're in this bathroom and we're doing and over the shoulder on Lorna, who's actually Brittany. And and so that was actually challenging and especially moving at, we were moving at quite a quick pace because just a tight schedule kind of thing. So keeping all that straight, luckily nothing got messed up. <laughs> yeah. Except Rob, you did notice in the end we had, uh, remember we, we had to, yeah, we yeah, had yeah. to reverse a couple shots because we had gone over a different shoulder essentially. But that, yeah, there's yeah, there's a very yeah. You 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 set up a certain visual vocabulary, and you had to stick to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, what did you learn ultimately from this process altogether? I mean, I learned that I want to give Kate more money to go and make more projects. That <laughs> that was one of my highlights. So sweet. Is <laughs> <laughs> a true producer's so. comment? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think. I mean, this was my my second job job I created for myself as a director. So I learned so much. I mean, I, I, I don't think I could label, put a label on one thing, but just, I think ultimately the power of, of storytelling and, and collaboration. And I think having that community, a lot of the people who worked on this second film, we worked on the first short together as well. And so I think there really is a strength in community and, and the second film really showed me that, that that is very much true. And, and it's not an accident that people continue to work together and then as a, a director, I, I mean, it was the whole, my whole first one was all handheld and very kind of messy on purpose for the story. And the second one was very pristine and meticulous. And so it was just exploring a, a different visual language and ha- how we can tell stories on film and how we convey a certain message. So just all of it was a learning experience for me. Fantastic. Final question. What is next? If there's anything either one of you can share. Ooh. Bob? <laughs> And you go ahead. You go for what your next projects are. Yeah, there's well, there's Rob has a, a whole series that he's written called Voyeur, which is I like incredible. the title. Thank you. <laughs> Intriguing. Yes, it's, it's half the battle. It's it's awesome. So we're working on getting that made, hopefully on a, a larger scale. And then on an indie scale, I've I've written a feature which I believe me and Rob will be working on together. So that's kind of 
slowly in motion. Yep, thriller style again, female-led. I love it. So this is great. The, the team, the home team carries on. This is fantastic. <laughs> well, listen, I, I want to thank you both for your time and your insights and sharing your story. And uh, best of luck at Holly Shorts. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure.